But if we get out of town a little bit, um, Athens. Oh, yeah. Has a lot of... Where do you play in Athens? I know the area pretty well, obviously. Yeah, we play Smiling Skull frequently, actually. No, you don't. Yeah, we've been up there quite a few times. Dude, I have so many friends that live near there. You should tell me when you're going out there next. I will, you know, because... (laughs) Well, that, we take the blues band up there. They love our blues band up there. We played the Casa, um, and we've played Little Fish a few times, but mm-hmm. Smiling Skull, it's a damn good time every time. Oh, it's, it's, it's always is. Everybody in the crowd. <laughs> it's one of them you walk in, and you're like, oh, damn, this is a rough place. I think place. Smiling Skull is like the fourth or fifth largest distributor of um, <laughs> PBR in the area. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they sell so much PBR. Actually... Turn it all the way up so it clips the mic. Yes, that's that's how the pros do it. <laughs> what? Turn it all the way up so you clip every yeah, time. Yeah, gets as, as much sensitivity as possible. That's the goal. <laughs> all right. So usually, what I do is um, <laughs> when my friends are on, I ask, "What's the craziest thing you ever did in college, or what were your interests in college, or um, what were the, some of the things that uh, you did with your friends in college?" Either either hobbies or stupid drinking things or something like that. Oh man, <laughs> you're gonna have to get me throw thrown back at the bad college was a while ago. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so when I went to college, uh, I, I went to Marietta College. I went mm-hmm. right here. Um, I've been in Marietta my whole life, um, and I actually. Uh, went in as a physics major and uh, because of the professor quality uh, basically switched me to chemistry so I was a chemistry major but I, I didn't live on campus so like I kind of missed out on a lot of the actual uh, normal campus life stuff there was <laughs> the very first day of orientation um, we uh, at the time I was working at Taco Bell mm-hmm. and uh, so we're 18, um, and when I worked at Taco Bell, I'd been there since I was 16. Basically, anybody there would buy me liquor anytime I wanted, <laughs> just all the time. So I have them, they go, and this is like the night before orientation, freshman year. I'm with my two buddies, uh, Mitch and Brian, who uh, they were sharing a room at the dorms. We, uh, I went and had, they gave me money like 50, 60 bucks. And I had somebody from Taco Bell go and get me two bottles of Jack. <laughs> Cause you know, it's like, we're, we're going to go. <laughs> we, I take it in my duffel bag and I go up into the hall and I, one of the RAs sees me. Oh no. Oh. And so we get there, the floor they were on had like a, the window. There was like a roof outside the window for like more room on the bottom floor. Mm-hmm. Knock on the door. We had these bottles. <laughs> Brian takes it, puts the, puts the bottles outside on the on outside the window and closes it and then the RA comes in and says, Oh, we saw somebody with a duffel bag come in. We wanted we needed to check. <laughs> so they start checking the room, checking the bag, all this stuff. Cause I didn't live there, but I, they saw me come in. And they uh they never opened the window. They didn't find that. But they found where Brian had put he had one can of beer that he was saving literally to make beer bread. Like he had drank oh. the other bread. He wasn't even playing. It was one can of beer in his fridge to make beer bread. They found it and they got busted. And like, we haven't even started the year yet. And I didn't live there, so there's nothing on me, but these guys already had their first alcohol violation before we even started by, um, <laughs> the freshman year. Uh, 
And so they were like, well, we've already fucked up, I guess. Let's just get hammered now. <laughs> they left. We got the bottle because they never found those bottles. So then we just all started hammering down the jack that night. And uh, if um, anybody from here is uh, listening to this from Marriott College, they would know. Uh, these guys are on the crew team. Um, and uh, the address used to be the crew house. It was on Putnam Street, 507 mm-hmm. Putnam. Yeah. Um, in the basement, there was just always, always parties down there. So, yeah, we got good and lit and then went over there. And then as we're leaving... That uh, they drank a lot. Like I stopped drinking because I was gonna be the responsible one that night because I did have to drive home. I didn't live <laughs> there. Um, we got those guys so drunk. We were we ended up just kind of walking around downtown after a while. We walked down here to uh, uh, to the fountain down here behind us. Oh my god! <laughs> we just walking from the college from from Putnam just kind of because the one the one I was so drunk he was puking. We put him in my car at the time. I had this little two door Ford Tempo. Uh, that it was like a six hundred dollar car, like it's ninety three Ford Tempo. Um, that was it was an automatic or uh, nothing automatic. It was manual transmission, crank windows, mirrors, uh, <laughs> manual door locks. Everything was manual except for the seat belts. The seat belts were automatic. They came back over your shoulder <laughs> <laughs> for, for the, the one thing that's automatic. The one thing in the entire piece of shit $600 car that was automatic was the seat belts because that was a thing in the 90s. That's hilarious. Yeah. And then, of course, those broke. So then you have to just leave it back and then you just pull it over yourself and then do your lap belt. What were 90s cars? Why did people think that any of those cars were attractive? Like the Taurus? That, right. I, that was a, a luxury car in the 90s. I feel like many, many people had... A Taurus or or something of that nature, or even the uh, the Saturns, those were uh, yeah. like top sellers for a while. Everybody had the Saturns. Well, you know, you get your affordable. That's what people, the affordable brand that people push out. But that gap between the early '80s and the late '90s was kind of a weird time. Yeah, like I was born in '87, so a lot of that is just what I saw as a kid. Yeah, but like cars were weird because that again early '90s stuff. That tempo. <laughs> <laughs> That's a story in and of itself. Oh, this is before college. Oh, God. <laughs> the reason I had that damn thing. I, uh, my dad worked at a, at a car dealer, and so he was able to get me a really good deal on my first car. And mm-hmm. He bought me my first car, and it was a Ford Escort ZX2. Um, and they were decent cars, and it was a 98, and I loved that car. Um, well, I got a ticket within the first six months of having my, uh, and my dad warned me, he told me, if you if you get a speeding ticket, if you get an accident, so much as any kind of speeding ticket, I'm selling your car. <laughs> yeah, my dad was a hard ass Oh my me. God. He did not treat my sister that way. Uh, she had the same car that she had four accidents in, they never got rid of her car, but my car, and he held to his shit. However, I did earn it. It wasn't like I got a five over or some shit. Like I was coming between exit six and exit one here on I-77. Oh. And I got uh, I got pulled over doing 95 in a 65, <laughs> which was almost enough for reckless up. Um, so dad, yeah, like I, my license got suspended because I was 16 and all that. And then they, uh, we bought that car. And then I had to get a job, which actually started my job at Taco Bell because I needed to pay off the $600 for that car. Minimum wage was five fifteen an hour back then. That's a lot of hours for $600 when you got to buy gas for it too. But that tempo, the speedometer was not even rated to go as fast as I was going when I had my ticket in the other car. That tempo topped out at 80 miles per hour. <laughs> 80, it would not even go over 80. Like if I was going inter- interstate speeds, does, does it, it, have, did it have a governor in it or did it? 
No, I mean, it, just, it, it, it was, was a four-cylinder. It was just like, it was a four-cylinder. <laughs> it was just nothing to it. But, like I said, nothing automatic except for the seatbelt. And uh, it was a five-speed, so I learned how to drive a stick. And I literally drove a stick until this past year after I bought that because I enjoyed that. But it was all white. And on the side, from the front tire back to the back tire, it had that 90s pink and blue lines that just oh. came back. And it turned into a cursive sport. It said fucking sport on it because it was a two-door. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. My first car was a, uh, a 2006 Chevrolet Cobalt and uh, LS, just base model. Yep. So <laughs> Cobalt, yep. yep. Crank windows, not automatic seatbelts. <laughs> so nothing nothing was automatic. Yeah. Um, and one time I uh, I was going to I – w- I went up to Cleveland for, for Browns game. And I, my uncle meets me in the parking lot. I think we, I met up at the airport for some reason. I don't, I guess that was just a, a point that we could meet. I have no idea why we met there, but, uh, I just start going like this, cranking down my window and he goes, are you messing with me? <laughs> I said, no, I have crank windows. It's, it's a base model. I ended up putting an aftermarket radio in it, but other than that. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, you could do that. Dude, I had crank windows cause I did eventually sell that and buy another ZX2 because I liked it, but it was also a five-speed and crank windows and, auto, and, and still manual. I don't mind ones. the crank windows. I, it's not too bad unless you got to get the other one. <laughs> you have to reach over to get the other. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. That was always a pain in the ass. Yeah. Um, and then I had a Ranger for 10 years, actually, after that ZX2 that was also base everything. I love that little Ranger. I ran that fucking thing in the ground too. It finally, it finally shit itself last, uh, December, yeah. January, which is why I now have a, <laughs> I an have actual a, truck. See, this is how my mind works. You say uh, a Ranger. So my, one of the, one of my bosses, um, at one of the jobs I had on campus. So I worked at this delivery service. It's called GoPuff. Basically had a huge warehouse of, uh, everything from, we, we got beer later in the game, but at first it was just, um, refrigerated snacks, drinks, um, tobacco, uh, she, uh, shisha, like, oh, yeah. yeah, all that stuff. So we deliver it. Um, and my later, I uh, had this boss, he drove his, I don't even know what year it was. I think it was like a 2003 or 2004 Ranger, um, bright red, all pick up all the way up, um, from El Paso, Texas. Oh <laughs> yeah. Imagine how much he paid in gas. Yeah, no doubt. Cause that, <laughs> that Ranger I had got worse gas mileage than my current F-150 but for listen, sure. Listen to this. So he, uh, he, he was kind of cocky. And he, the reason he, um, drove all the way up from El Paso was because his girlfriend, um, got a, uh, scholarship for acting and we have a pretty good performing arts school, decent one. So, uh, and he followed her. So ba- he ended up stealing $2,000 from the company just out of the safe. Cause we would do, we didn't have that much cash on hand, but we still accepted cash. And he would just skim off the top after oh, every shift. Yeah. And he ended up having to drive all the way back to El Paso in that truck. I don't know how he got. He, he went 2,000 miles. <laughs> 2,000 miles. <laughs> oh. Yeah, dude, that was a lot of gas for that trip for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't even. I can't even estimate how much he would have used. It depends. My Ranger was a V6, um, which oh, I just yeah. Yeah, I liked. If this was a four-cylinder... It was probably a four-cylinder. Would have done not. a little better, but still under 20 miles a gallon for sure. And I think uh, he would drive that thing into work, and it would just – you just hear it pull in. And he said, oh, I've got to work on it again before I leave. Oh, <laughs> got to get some uh, ignition spray or whatever and just – Right. No, I love my Ranger. I really did. 
but uh, and you know, family. I need more. I need to be able to carry more than one person at a time. So I had to get a bigger truck. Do you have an F one fifty now? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I I've always wanted to get a truck, but you know, after driving know. a truck for a long time, that you know, I don't need a truck that often. I don't do a whole lot of bunch of hillbilly shit. I used to have four wheeler, and I used to have <laughs> to sometimes have a. a I had, I had a crock crock. hillbilly shit. Four wheelers, four, four wheelers are fun. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, Going mudding and shit, like, it's great fun. Yeah. Uh, I, there's, there's not many more things uh, as fun as just, like, taking a bottle and a couple cases of beer <laughs> yeah. out into an open place and just getting hammered and riding yeah. and trying not to die. It's, um, it's good fun. I like my little Dodge I have now. Um, I bought it, like, two years ago. Mm-hmm. It's a... Uh, People, people always talk about how Dodges have a lot of problems, but I mean, it, I mean, I've only had, uh, I've only had one problem with it. It was because, so it takes full synthetic. Oh yeah. And, uh, they didn't, they did not put full synthetic. <laughs> <They>, like <laughs> before they released it off the lot, they put the wrong oil in it. And I ended up having a second cylinder misfire because of that. Oh shit. Yeah. yeah. So I had to get that replaced. Yeah. Um, like a couple months into having it and that pissed me off. I was like, can you give me at least a rebate or something for doing, like fucking up my car before it even came off the lot? Yeah, they should absolutely do that. Right? That's, <laughs> that's their job. They closed like three months later, so I couldn't get a figure. Back. Yeah, go yeah. figure. They closed. Exactly. Um, but yeah, uh, I like I like my Dodge. It's not bad. I mean, I could have gotten it. So it's a little uh, 2.4 liter. I could have got the 1.4 with turbo. How unnecessary would that have been in that little car? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, dude, I, I still like having them. Well, my, my F-150, it's um, you know, 3.6 liter, and it, but it's EcoBoost. Oh, that's But nice. it, it's got a turbocharger because it's actually got a full tow pack. Oh, it does? So, like, <laughs> dude, it'll fucking get. I like it. I like it a lot. I like having a, a vehicle, even though it's just a truck, a vehicle with this with feels torque. Like, if I want to pull out in the traffic and I have, like, three yards to do it in, like, I want to get there. I want to be able to do it real fast and not question if I'm going to make it or not. Uh, so. I yeah, I had my I had my little uh, my cobalt wasn't like an I four, and uh, that thing had no giddy up at all. And there was this exit um, when I was coming back because I went to school in the city. There was this exit where that I would have to pull out on um, into. It went from a standstill to up to sixty. People, people were going sixty, yes. so you had to gun it off the oh, exit. Those are the worst and that thing too. was. Like be shaking. I was like, "Oh my god, I'm gonna die!" Yeah, that that that's what that tempo was like. like that, that's how that felt. When I'm trying to get up to ninety percent of my max speed in that truck or in that car, just so I can follow the flow of traffic. Uh, oh, that's funny. So, um, what is the what is your favorite venue, either in Marietta or outside of Marietta, to play at? Do you think favorite venue to play? You know. Or is there a difference? Play, sorry to interrupt you. Is there a difference between your favorite and um, the most interaction with the with the audience? Yeah, that little bit. Because really, you know, when we play, uh, all the guys in my band, we all have like jobs and careers. This music thing is not a career for us, so we're just doing it to make enough petty cash. We charge enough to make it worth our time, and you know that extra money helps to like comp for our. It's all about second revenue streams. Dude. Yeah, dude. If, if I want to. I want to buy a guitar. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna save hundred bucks a show. Let me save that for ten shows. I can get something new. But so when we're playing, it really is for fun. So like here in Marietta, the Adelphia can be hit or miss. When we have a crowd, I just played last night. If we could play there and it's a crowd like that and they're interactive and they're into it, 
that's that's the best place like in Marietta right now mm -hmm. just being being right there um uh like I said this Beverly Eagles I told you about going mm -hmm. out there um that's one of the best damn crowds around they love us and they just love <laughs> the music and they go but if we get out of town a little bit um Athens oh yeah has a lot of where do you play in Athens play. I know we've, the area pretty well obviously yeah we play there, Smiling but... Skull frequently actually no, you don't. Yeah, we've been up there quite a Dude, few times. Dude, I have so many friends that live near there. You should tell oh, me when you're going out there next. I will let you know because <laughs> with that, we take the blues band up there. They love our blues band up there. We played the Casa um, and we've played Little Fish a few times, but mm -hmm. Smiling Skull, it's a damn good time every time. Oh, it's, it's always is. Everybody in the crowd. It's one of them you walk in and you're like, God damn, this is a rough place. I think place. Smiling Skull is like the fourth or fifth largest distributor of um, <laughs> PBR in the area. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. They sell so much PBR. Actually, uh, funny story. Um, I was, because I would, when I was uh, in school, I would drive lifts sometimes around the area because it was, I didn't use much gas because Athens is so small and it yeah. was good, a good student job. Right. And uh, I actually drove the um, the PBR rep. He would, whenever he had big shipments, he would, uh, he wouldn't sleep in his truck. He would sleep, he would just stay in one of the hotels on uh, on the main stretch. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, and uh, so I was driving him. He wanted to go out and drink at the Skull, and I picked him up at the hotel. And he goes, "You know how they have the uh, PBR has the um, the cold brew and the uh, the coffee drinks?" Yeah, yeah. yeah so he told me about. He said, "He said, be ready. You're not going to expect this, but PBR is going to come out with a hard coffee drink, and it's going to be delicious." It's good, dude. So I know it's delicious. <laughs> and he told me before that. I said, "No way. You're messing with me." He said, "No, you wouldn't think of it, but." And and we're, it's he said it's going to be hard to market because people don't think they don't think they, they don't associate PBR. PBR with hard coffee. Dude, the first time you see the first time I saw that, I was like, this is going to taste like dirty old Maxwell House <laughs> with PBR poured in it. It's good. No, it tastes like a a Kahlua espresso. Like it's it's like chocolate milk. It's really good. I haven't tried the. Um, there's one that's a lower percentage. It's the actual cold brew coffee. Mm. Uh, I want to try it because I feel like it. I really like coffee. Like I have my little little um espresso maker oh yeah from that's been around since like the the 1800s <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, that's really cool too yeah no, i do a lot of cold brew because uh do you make just, your own yeah i make it at home oh, I, I have a i have a thing yeah, show me how you do it yeah i mean i just bought this thing i signed up a long time ago um it's like 50 bucks a month for uh, trying to advertise for them, but it was really fucking cool. It's called, <laughs> it's called Bespoke Post. It's one of them subscription No, services. I know that. Yeah. Dude, I got I've a lot of cool... They, actually, the jacket I'm wearing came from them. Um, that, I didn't know they did clothes. They do all kinds of stuff. <laughs> any kind of... Man. I bought it because I had this big knife one time that was like saw blade on one time, but it's kind of scooped so you could like... It's like a, a, a camping knife. I didn't camp that much, but it was fucking cool That's on awesome. my birthday. <laughs> I was like, I'm buying this. Um, kept the subscription going because it kept getting stuff. I got... I have a nice whiskey decanter that I came from them with like mm -hmm. comparable like glasses like these. And I got yeah. a, and one of the things one time was this, cause what they'll do is I'll have like four options and you pick which one of the four you want. They'll recommend one, but you can swap it if you don't like it. They almost always nail it. I got that cold brew maker and it was like, it's just a big jug and it has a, uh, a screen thing in the middle that you just put your coffee grounds into recommends grinding your own beans for mm -hmm. the most. If you want good quality, cause it's cold brew. And then you just, Sit it in the fridge for sixteen to twenty hours. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh and my then yeah, you just that's my next down. purchase. I dude, love cold brew, dude. It's really good. You can just do that. You just make it, and that shit wakes you up in the morning. I can't even it's do way more concentrated than regular coffee. That's Absolutely. why I like espresso, dude. Yeah, <laughs> that's why yeah. I make espresso. And um, there's this guy uh, that I follow on YouTube. He does. Um, he has his own coffee company, but he does 
I don't know how he got into coffee from. He does um, like sports recaps, but he has a coffee company. It's called Benchwarmer Brew, and it's delicious. Oh, it, how do you pronounce it? Arabica, Arabica. Oh, I would have just said Arabica, but yeah, Arabica. Yeah, I, I may be wrong. I don't know. I may be wrong too, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's authentic uh, Arabica coffee, and it's delicious. Um, it's pre-ground, so you can get pre-ground, right? Which is nice. See, that's what the cold brew uh, thing takes a lot of coffee. So. Like, I mean, it holds like 10 to 12 scoops. Like, it's a lot. I might check out that bunch of post. It. That's pretty cool. It is a cool subscription service. Yeah. Um, but like, I, I just keep, <laughs> right. Yeah. Just they have <laughs> knives and shit. They've got like some of them that I'm not paid money for, but like Damascus steel knives that just look yeah. cool. And well, I don't need that, but uh, do I want it? Yes. But that, that, that coffee thing puts a, uh, I always just put like Folgers or whatever in it because it takes so much. It's expensive to keep good quality in it. And I'm really just doing it to, Pour some milk and stevia. People in sleep in the on Folgers, yeah. dude. Folgers is a good classic, to be honest. It's not bad. Not, not bad. Not bad at all. <laughs> yeah, but I I'm partial to this guy's coffee because I've just been drinking it for so long. Yeah. And my um my uh my coworker has a thing for just finding deals at thrift stores, and he just found this little this little. It's kind of cheap, but it's I mean it's a French press, and he mm. brought it in, and I brought in that pre ground, and we make French press coffee. That's, dude, that's work, sweet. Yeah. yeah. And people, yeah. people look at me when I'm walking because um, I have to go to the cafeteria area to get hot water. People just look at me like I'm insane. <laughs> but it's all right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this is a uh, I've only taken a uh, three or four sips of this and it's kind of it's going straight to my head. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it's good. Gotcha. I was going to ask you how you're how you're liking that the more you drink. It's really it. good. This is uh, a lot smell of just. It is. Dude, the smell it's delicious. I, I say Lagavulin. It might be Lagavulin. I've heard people say it different. I don't know. <laughs> how does Ron Swanson say it? I have to. I need to watch Parson Rec again. <laughs> that's, see how he says it. that's why I I tried this. I was at the galley actually, and I saw it, and I was like, "It's like ten dollars for a glass there." And I was like, "Well, I want to try it because Ron Swanson drinks it. He's my favorite." Ten dollars for like yeah for like a shot for like a it's glass. a it's a ninth of the price of the bottle for one glass. It is well that's typical bar yeah. practice, right? Yeah, I mean yeah. But I uh, dude, they they told me it smells like drinking a campfire, and that's kind of what you get. Yes, it's, I've it's, had something like this before. I don't. I, I hate dropping that I've been <laughs> in Eastern Europe. But when I was in Eastern Europe, <laughs> it wasn't a. I didn't drink it neat, but it was a. Uh, I can't remember what drink it was. It was one of their signature cocktails, and it had a really smoky bourbon in it. And that's what mm. it kind of what it tasted. Maybe it was this. I don't know. It, it might have been. been this. Well, yeah, from there, right? Because being a Scotch means it has to come from Scotland. But this one in particular, the reason it it smells and tastes like this is they use peat. They use a lot of peat in the distillery process, and, mm. and that's how they that's how they they flavor it. That's that's the big thing with with this one. That's so um, interesting to me. Yeah, There's, my friend, my friend actually, he's a. Uh, he he's an engineer. I think he's a chemical engineer, and uh, he got <laughs> he got a job with Jackie O's. That's sweet, dude. That's like an, as, yeah. a, as a chemist or a scientist. Like, yes, yes. Yeah. Your dream jobs are like to work <laughs> to work in cannabis or alcohol. Yeah, like to to, to work with that because there's a lot of good. I know I hear a lot of stories about chemists who work for brewers, and it's like. Oh, dude, when you get to like do the chemical analysis, like you love that anyway, but you get to drink the whole get time. The, the infant beers, the you just get to. The- <laughs> dude, love that. That's awesome. Yeah, I did that. Um, when I was in a, we went to this little, um, this um, spa town. I guess you could call it. It was called um, Pot of Brady. Not pronouncing that right in the Czech Republic. Oh. Um, and their entire their entire water was from a sp- their entire water supply was from a spring, a natural spring. Tasted like shit. <laughs> but 
but um, that's not, that's not but the they brewery. did. There was a brewery there. Oh, and we went to the brewery and we um, we got to taste the um, the the beers that were their infant beers. They're not fully fermented yet. They're just straight oh. out of the giant ass what distiller, I guess you could call it. Oh yeah, what do they call those? Uh, There's a special name for them. I cannot remember what it is. Uh, yeah, because I actually I I bought a kit once to I did beer in my own. I want to do one. that. It's a lot of work because a lot of it. Uh, what I, what I found because I have an electric stove, which was not conducive to doing this proper. No, the, no. The boiling and the <laughs> steeping process, depending on what type of beer you're doing, mm-hmm. which is this is kind of the case for a lot of teas too. But you have a temperature range, and you have to keep it there. And so if you're doing a large vat of it, you have to keep a constant heat source and you're throwing ice chips and stuff in it to keep it from getting too hot. And you have to monitor like, it's, oh man, that's you're looking so much at, work. Yeah. Like <laughs> it, it might have to be between like 73 and 78 degrees Celsius. Like, cause if it's any hotter, you're going to end up burning what you're trying to steep mm-hmm. and you ruin it. So like, did you ruin it? I did. Okay. <laughs> it was just a lot of fucking work because like, if you had a flame, like if I had a gas stove, which if told you I'm buying a house that is mm-hmm. a priority for me. I don't know why I have this on a uh, coaster. <laughs> it doesn't have any condensation. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the the thing with, with it was just having to constantly work with it. If I had a gas stove, you could just like, I could apply less flame, mm-hmm. but it's really hard to find that on an electric stove. So I will do it again because I still uh, have a, car- a carabiner. I don't know what they climb with. Mm-hmm. Carb carbine. Maybe like mm-hmm. yeah, it's not, that's the names of what you're talking about close to that, I yeah. think. But yeah. No, I, I've done that before. Um because I like stouts. Um so that's what I Oh, got. you like stouts? My coworker's yeah. a huge stout person. He has a it's funny because I, I'll talk to him and he goes, uh, yeah, I just went to the doctor. They said uh they said I have um because he coughs a lot. And they said uh oh yeah, um you cough all the time, not because you're sick, but because you have acid reflux. And you and you yeah. That sucks, dude. <laughs> and, and I and he goes, I don't know why I have acid reflux. Uh, and I said, because you drink stouts every night. That's Dragon, why you have acid reflux. Going home drinking dragon's milk every night. Yeah, exactly. Which is one of the best one if you've not I, had that. I actually no, I've not had that one. I gotta try it. Um, I got him one. Uh, it was called um, Numb Nuts. Nice. Have you ever heard of it? <laughs> no. Yeah. I got him. It was his birthday, and I got that. Um, I shouldn't have brought it into the office, but I just slipped it into his bag. I was like, little yeah. gift for you. <laughs> As long as you're not drinking it at the office, you should be fine. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he, uh, it's funny because he likes to drink, but whenever we go out, because we'll go out and get a drink, uh, not a drink, we'll go out and eat lunch sometimes. And uh, I, I told him it's actually, if you're off the clock, if you're off the clock, it's your own time. You're allowed to have a beer or two if you're not on premises. I mean, you don't get, yeah. don't get drunk, but you're allowed to have a, a beer. Well, you, but, you know, if you go back to work. And you're hammered, there's going to be a problem. <laughs> well, yeah. I wouldn't get a hammer. I mean, I've never done that. I still am not. I wouldn't drink at work, but yeah. I mean, we have a we have a nope tolerance policy. I guess you could call it, but nope, nope. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm a upper. I'm approaching upper middle level management now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a lot of times I've been that guy for years now. Where I was capable and they'd be like, hey, I need you to. That's how you move up, though. Yeah, it's like, I need this done. It's like, that's not really what I do, but I'll see if I can figure it out. And if you do, it goes well. Well, now that's your responsibility. (laughs) So so get used to that. But then if you move up, teach somebody else to do it. Because it's something that needs done. So if they just need somebody to do it, it needs done. It has to get done. I mean, that's 
that's just kind of how that do you do you feel that uh what you did you uh did you go just undergrad or did you go to grad school i only i only did undergrad yeah um that was I feel like that's a, all you need nowadays and, and it depends on kind of what you're doing i mean i've that's one of the big questions i have in my own life i think about a lot um <laughs> yeah like should i because i my major was chemistry mm-hmm. and man props to you i'm so bad at chemistry Dude, I love it. I really do. <laughs> I, if you go to my house, like everything's periodic tables on everywhere. Like I have a periodic table shower curtain. Uh, my wife made me a periodic table quilt. Like this has. Like, <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, uh, I, I I keep that stuff. Um, face masks are common right now. I have a uh, this fabric was part of the, the quilt because my wife sews, mm-hmm. so she had this extra fabric. It's like black with white, like organic chemistry stuff all over it. So mm-hmm. it looks like a chalkboard. <laughs> that's one of my favorite masks to wear and I get a lot of uh, comments on that one too but yeah uh, when you see uh, do you talk to Kyle when you're at the gym he's my neighbor Tall, taller dude always wears the cutoffs um, I don't know you probably know who he is but he, he's my would. neighbor but he he um, he right now is getting you should, you should talk to him about chemistry because he's a, one he's a chemist and two because um, he's currently doing his masters for uh, oh. I think material science maybe See, that's the interesting thing about any like hard science. If you're doing biology or chemistry or physics, any of like the hard sciences, you go and you get your, your BS. It's a BS in chemistry. Mm-hmm. You go on a master's, you got to get a little bit more focused. So you're going to pick a part of that. Then you get to get your PhD. It is a PhD in internuclear chemistry with a focus on, and it's an extremely focused PhD. And I'm so indecisive, I won't be able to. Dude, <laughs> there's so much like groundwork to build up which is just the, the basis of science anyway is understanding standing on the shoulders of giants right we're, yeah. we're understanding everything that's been built up to that point but like when you get to like being a PhD you are like a focus in your field mm-hmm. and you're the expert in that field and that's why there's just so many but see right now see what my my major <laughs> it's the exact opposite of that that's my that's what my major was <laughs> literally in the uh, when you when you look at the description of the major on our website it says we are technical generalists so we just know a general amount about everything. We can just do a little bit of everything. And if we need to delve deeper into something, we learn on our own time pretty much, which is good and bad. Well, there's a saying, um, yeah. it comes into my, um, my sense. I used to say this with, uh, the martial arts stuff and mm-hmm. it was, uh, Jack of all trades, master of none. And he would say, don't, don't spread yourself too thin. Uh, you know, don't, you don't want to be like training in, in these three different martial arts all at the same time because you're not going to get good at any of them because yeah. you're, you're spread too thin. But the full saying I've heard goes on to jack of all trades, master of none, but that's better than being a master of one. So to have a broad knowledge, maybe you need to refer to somebody to get the focus on what you really need. Mm-hmm. But you can do an awful lot of stuff with what you do know, and that's good to have. You know, and it I is. feel like <laughs> engineers especially – you need a broad knowledge if you're doing engineering type stuff. I feel like yeah, I've met a lot of people that are um, kind of too not too smart for their own good, but they just um, I feel like they're they're they are not. I mean, I'll ask them about um, they're just kind of close because they'll be they'll be really smart about one subject and then they'll just be completely closed off from something else. Oh they yeah, not even know that it exists. All right, and it's it's kind of difficult for people that are not well rounded like to have a conversation with someone that's not well rounded like that. Yeah, but yeah, I feel like that's why I ended up in chemistry in the first place is because (laughs) like when I got to Marietta College, I started off, I was planning on doing some engineering and doing a physics major Um, Hmm? and doing like they had a program there, like three years of your physics major. I actually like physics. I don't mind it. Yeah, I like it. But my professor at the time, 
was just so head in the clouds, not charismatic and like not understanding of uh, so some people can be really, really intelligent, but not able to teach. Mm-hmm. That's what we had there. Whereas every professor, no, yeah, every engineering yeah. professor, no. but professor I have, I feel, I feel like that happens a lot. Yeah. My professor at chemistry uh, at Marietta College, brilliant. He had, his PhD was from Yale. Like he was not oh. messing around. Like he was legit. <laughs> um, but his focus, like when he would take a sabbatical or he was doing research, mm-hmm. it was on how to teach better. It wasn't on like this specific reaction or creating the specific compound. It was mm-hmm. how do we make because his big thing was organic chemistry. Organic mm-hmm. chemistry, I've ever experienced that, but it is one of the most difficult classes to take in college, fucking period. And Kyle talks about it all the time. <laughs> yes, dude. Okay. And I mean, that's what his focus was. He he told us straight up, he's like, most of your doctors, medical doctors, they have to take OCHEM because they do a kind of a biochem premium mm-hmm. thing before they get to their grad school. Most doctors you meet will have gotten a C in OCHEM. Yeah. It's very difficult if you're not focused My on it. My sister took it. Yeah. She got a C. And, um, <laughs> and that's why his whole thing was to teach it better. And I was blessed to be able to have yeah. somebody like him who wants to focus on doing yeah. that better. One of the best. I enjoyed prof- it. Oh, yeah. One of the best professors I ever had uh, did not. He didn't have he didn't have a Ph.D. He didn't even have an undergrad. He just had uh, I think he had a, um, a technical degree and then he had a teaching degree. And, but he had 25 years of experience. And experience can trump he, everything. <laughs> he was one of the best professors I've ever had. Down to earth. Uh, could talk to him about cars. Could talk to him about guns. Anything. And uh, actually, for our capstone, we have to do a, a full-out production run in our production lab. Oh, yeah. So we go um, – we create a product from its infancy to actually making it in the lab and running like a – it's like a mini production run out of it's, – it's a wooden product. That's actually – <laughs> Our project was the dart dartboard cabinet out there. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, that's cool, though. That's a good yeah. real-life – a lot of people complain about school not teaching them real-life skills. That's oh, a yeah, good that's way good. to push you into that. You'll never be part – the cool thing is you'll never again in your life be able to be part of every process. Right. It's always <laughs> every pro, every yeah. part of the process is handled by a different group. Yeah. Yeah, but um, that was interesting, but it was funny because uh, the one uh, the one professor we had uh, – his name was Tom. We had uh, on the uh, – the stanchions in our <laughs> in our lab all the way at the top we just had a piece of paper uh that said in tom we trust with a picture of him just looking <laughs> <out>. <laughs> just looking over us <laughs> it's so funny sometimes you need that motivation you need yeah. that reassurance he was a good guy he would just go we would go into lecture and he would uh he'd be uh it'd be a monday morning or something and uh he would he would get, get 25 minutes into his lecture he said you look you guys look like you kind of had a rough weekend uh, I don't think there's, uh, <laughs> any, uh, there's no reason to keep going or, or keep lecturing if you guys aren't going to retain it. So uh, <laughs> you guys can just leave. <laughs> Sometimes, Dude, that's, yeah. that's a mark of a good, of a good professor of a good, uh, I mean, he'd still, leader. he'd still make up for it in the next lecture, but yeah, you can't skip material, but like if they're not you working with a group of people and they're not with it, let's just cut our losses. Let's catch it up later. The, I would say 90, 90% of professors have no they just like to hear themselves talk, to be honest, and they don't even I feel like they don't even look into the <laughs> into the crowd whenever they're teaching. Yeah, yeah. I mean if you're teaching, because that's something that I am um, like I said, uh I had a bachelor's. Um mm-hmm. and I didn't go to grad school. And the the re- the reason I didn't go to grad school because you with a degree in chemistry, 
um, or any degree in like a hard science, you really do need to kind of drive yourself to to the higher level degrees to like get into the money. Like yeah. if you want to work for Pfizer mm-hmm. as an organic chemist, oh, yeah. you better be PhD and you could make 250k a year easily yeah. doing and make that. Viagra and the uh, COVID vaccine. Exactly that kind of stuff. <laughs> and that those are and there's money in there and Pfizer makes money on that. Like if you want to do that, that's what you have to do or to get into a good research lab. With the bachelor's, you kind of end up like in a situation like Iowa, if I was working for an environmental lab, what we do at my company is we test environmental samples. And a lot mm. of that is stuff's already been developed. You need to learn and, and, and follow procedure. And you have to meet the certain quality requirements because there's a lot of those. But like there's a lot of growth on top of that, which I've been able to be a part of. But like having just a bachelor's, like your job are limited in that. But if you look in the right places – work hard enough you can kind of you can kind of grow on that yeah um i got lucky with dimex because my boss is kind of breeding me i guess you could say to be his successor right which is cool that is cool um and uh he i he was he was working from home one day and we would go to have our meetings i would go into his office and just sit at his desk and um because i can detach my computer from it from its uh station yeah i just would go in there and talk to him he said get used to that chair because you might be sitting in it one day and i said (laughs) i all right. But it's funny because in my interview, he said, you can either use this as a stepping stone or you can be a lifer and we're not going to be offended no matter what you do. So, yeah. yeah. And that's a sign of a good company. I feel like if they're, if they're open about that from the get go. It's something I try to do now. Like I guess I've, I've, I was telling you, uh, before we started recording, I've, I recently been promoted to big manager. Like I've been, been yeah, I'm like, I'm in the, I've been in the trenches for a while, about four years ago, I got into like leadership type stuff. And now going on that track, being out of the technical day to day, cause I can work on instruments. I can, um, I could, I could talk for a whole extra hour about different maintenance of, uh, GCMS and ICPMS and liquid chromatography. Like we could go on. But I'm not going to bore everybody with that. But, uh, like, that's just, no, that's, there's a wealth of knowledge that I have there. Um, and now I'm on this entirely new journey of like not keeping the instruments running because they require maintenance because they're like, we have a lot of equipment from the 90s and like late 90s. Mm-hmm. But if you take care of it, it just lasts a long time. Yeah. So now I'm on this new journey of leadership and looking into money type stuff. You have to keep track of the money and, and then dealing with people every day. It's a whole new thing. But then people are constantly having problems on the technical side that I can assist them with. That's great. Like, please distract me from this boring crap I have to do for a while. Let me go. Let me go get a wrench and fix your instrument. Like, I love that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, where's there's a um, there's something that just opened there. Um, I think it's a repair center, but they also sell custom guitars in Athens. What the hell is it called? Hmm. Oh, I can't remember what it's called, uh, but I know there is there is a guy in the area that is notorious for creating uh, custom guitars for like big names. I can't remember his name though. Oh, I think I have vaguely heard of that. Yeah, uh, I don't even think the person dropped their name whenever he he just uh, kind of uh, offhandedly mentioned it before I dropped him off because he was a lift rider. But right, you, I, you you meet a lot of interesting people when you're driving lift. <laughs> Oh, I bet. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure who that would be because I don't um, I don't get too hard into like the guitars. I like acoustic guitars because that's kind of what I play. I never um, I learned guitar because I was already singing and playing music in other ways. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be able to at least understand guitar and play enough. to. Do you play more than one instrument? Yeah. So I play 
uh, guitar. Uh, harmonic is probably but my yeah, main. Yeah, I knew you played both of those. The harp's probably my main instrument. Um, I can do a little bit of. Did uh, you see the harp? Yeah, harmonica. They call a harp. Oh, okay. mouth harp. Yeah. They, they oh, okay. Call, okay. Yeah, we talk about harmonicas. We'll talk about harps because it's kind of the same idea. You know, a harp is just a bunch of fixed strings that you don't tune. They're mm -hmm. just they are the note they are. Mm -hmm. That's what a harmonica is. The reeds are. Oh, each that's reed, interesting. Yeah, each harmonica. I have a case. I brought. I brought my case with me in case we needed to get that right. But the uh, every harmonica comes in a key, mm -hmm. and they have twenty notes per harp per per harmonica. Um, and every hole on the harmonica is a different note, whether you're blowing or breathing in. So that's just, that's what you get. Diatonic harmonicas, you get 20 notes. You can bend them and mm -hmm. you can kind of go like a half a step off or something. But like, uh, so that's, I think that's what they mean by harp when they call it a harp because it's a mouth harp. It's fixed notes. That's really interesting. I, uh, <laughs> you know how, I don't know why, but uh, I feel like when you're younger, you always, uh, you can get, because you would get the, um, I feel like I would win it at a carnival or something. You'd win one of those cheap harmonicas. Yeah, yeah. And I, yeah. I never was able to like direct my direct my breath or direct my blowing into the. I don't even know how to. Oh yeah, no, they're uh, those ones are dog shit. <laughs> well, yeah, which which well, which is the whole point. They're just noisemakers for kids. That's, that's the whole point. But they're still made like a harmonica. But um, you can get good harmonicas for. I'd say a good harmonica is about forty bucks um, yeah. per per harmonica. Um, so when you want to get it, yeah, when you want to get a kit, you're looking at yeah. five hundred bucks or so to get like so you can cover every key and play with it or whatever. But like honestly, most songs are in like C A G and D. Like you know, occasionally mm -hmm. you'll pop into E. It, it depends on what you're playing. You can get away with five harmonicas, and so really you're looking at two hundred fifty bucks to get into. You buy special twenties, which is what. Um, the guy from Blues Traveler, uh, John Popper, um, mm -hmm. you know, uh, special twenties is what he kind of made famous. They're good. They're plastic and, uh, the brass reeds. Um, they're, uh, they're a good entry level, good harmonica. I play, I still play them often because they're, <laughs> they're cheap enough. Um, good enough to last me a while, but cheap enough mm -hmm. that when I break one or blow a reed out, cause you blow them out of tune sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and you can't fix them. Um, oh, you can't fix them? No, when they go, it costs as much to replace the reeds as it does to buy a new damn uh, Oh, they just buy a new one. Because Honer is a company that are Germany, so you got to ship them across the It's not worth it. Just buy a new, <laughs> you just buy a damn new harmonica. So uh, I'm guessing when you're doing a set and um, one, one part of the song is in maybe four or five keys and then you transition to another part of the song that's in different keys, you just pick them up and put them down? I will do that. Yeah, you yeah. have to switch. You have to switch keys. You have a so a song will usually just be in a key. You just have like this song is in D. Yeah, or the song's in G. Exactly. Occasionally there'll be a. That's when you switch it up. Do you just? <laughs> yeah, you have to switch harp. If you're playing harp, you have to. Yeah. We actually in our acoustic band, um, two buds in a slap box. That is our acoustic thing. It is we we, we come with that name seven years ago, <laughs> man. I like it because I play cajon. It's one of the other instruments I play. Mm -hmm. um, uh, along with uh, ukulele, I don't usually play that out. Ukulele is cool to play though. Um, I like to learn ukulele. I, that's one thing I never did in my childhood. I was so focused on sports all the time. I was an athlete for most of my life. Yeah. I just never. Dude, I didn't play any music. I didn't play any music until I was like twenty five, twenty six. I oh, just man, I started like, learning. Never too late. No, like I started. I started all my music karaoke. I started singing. Oh yeah, I can sing. Yeah, yeah, I can do that. And then from that, I was like, okay, well, yeah, I'm doing karaoke, and I I started like developing my voice that way, just drunk, 
drunk escapades at the bars. <laughs> and then eventually my buddy had been playing guitar since he was like 10. So I picked up a cajon. If you can drum along with a song on a table, if you can just drum along, you can play cajon. Oh. And so, and that's just a box. Yeah, I always sit used on to do drums. this thing when I was younger, like that thing. Yeah, dude, any rhythm at all. And yeah. that's how we started. We were two buds in a slap box and we just yeah. keep playing guitar. <laughs> we would both sing and I would play. And then eventually he loved Neil Young. He loved the song Heart of Gold. So mm -hmm. I learned the harmonica part to Heart of Gold. And that started me on this giant trail of just continuously learning how to play harp. And there's so many different things. That song was in straight harp. And then I learned later how to play blues harp, which is breathing in more than breathing out. Mm -hmm. And one harmonica plays in a different key, depending on what notes you play. And it gets... It gets uh, Ooh, that's it's it's a lot more complicated <laughs> than people even realize. But it's once you figure it out, you can you just know what you're doing. Because I don't, I can't read music. I can't, uh, I can't read sheet music. Mm -hmm. um, I can read tabs. That, and if, that's if my I cousin, yeah, <laughs> he can, can freestyle. Listen. He can uh, he can just freestyle on the piano. Doesn't know how to read a lick of music at all. Yeah, no. If I just know the key I have to be in, I know what I need to do and like we're going to be in G. Okay. Well, I know what harmonicas I need for that. And I'm just going to play what sounds right. I'm going to play by ear and I hope it works out. Mm -hmm. I can kind of, the funny thing is I took, I, I uh, took piano lessons for a while, so I know how to read music relatively well, but mm -hmm. I just don't have the, the, I just didn't do it long enough to have the dexterity to actually Oh, dude, piano oh, takes yeah. so long. It's yeah. so much work. It really, I, I've heard from other people who, because I, I do know a good bit about guitar and guitar theory. Mm. Um, although I can't play, I'm not going to take off on a Van Halen solo or nothing for you, but I know <laughs> I know yeah. a significant chunk of the chords you can play. Um, and I can use them in whatever. Like a lot of 90s old country is super easy to play most of the time. Uh, you know, when you get into some rock stuff, you find some weird chords and mm. you do that. But um, a buddy of mine who was a good guitar player, he learned how to play piano. Um, and he talked about, you know, it takes, it takes some time to, to get the hand motions and the muscle memory down, but mm -hmm. he said it's a lot more, uh, if you know music theory, it's a lot more, uh, e easy to understand. Like everything's kind of laid out. Like it, when you look at it, it's easy to tell what's what. Mm -hmm. So you got to figure it out. But, uh, I think once you have it, it's kind of easy to play because you can play the same chord with your left hand as a bass goes deeper mm -hmm. and you just play those three or four notes. And then in your right hand at a different octave up, like two octaves higher, play the same exact chord, but one note at a time. Then you have a chord and now you're playing, that's called an arpeggio. And you can just be doing that. And then you're playing piano <laughs> and you sound like a damn uh, genius. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, um, that, that's something that would so yeah my family uh they're interesting because they they so i'm more of a generalist i'm good at a lot of different things but not a lot of different things but um i know a little bit about a lot of things you know, both in my major and just when i because i like to i don't know i like to uh, know how to do a little bit of everything like uh like i've been recently trying to learn the uh adobe suite right the full adobe suite and uh and uh, just trying to pick up other. Uh, that's why I picked up like a podcasting hobby too. I want to learn how to kind of manufacture sound. I also want to learn how to edit better, everything like that. Um, and uh, maybe uh, one of the things I branch out into is either kind of learning how to fine tune my voice because it's very raw. I've never had a lesson or anything. I just kind of sing in my car and sing karaoke and stuff like that. Right. Or yeah. um, learn how to. I feel like something <laughs> I'd like to learn how to. Um, 
play just because I, I feel like uh, you can pick it up relatively quickly is maybe the ukulele. It's not bad. It's um yeah. ukulele. Uh, so I have a tenor ukulele, which is just a little bit bigger. And mm-hmm. I, I kind of like that rather than the soprano one. Um, uh, I have a soprano in concert. Then there's a tenor. Um, I really... I really like playing the ukulele. It's it's four <laughs> strings as opposed to six. That's what um, I mean. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, a little bit easier. And what it does is, um, uh, how to explain this? It's tuned differently than a guitar, but the strings are tuned in the same ratios. So like, this, it's like the bottom four strings of a guitar, but higher. Mm-hmm. So like, if I were to play a D chord on a guitar, that is a G chord on a ukulele. Um, Interesting. So like it's the same chord shape. And if you were to imagine the other two strings of a guitar being there, it's the same chord. So it was easy for me to go from guitar to ukulele. Mm-hmm. The other way might be a little more difficult, but it's it would be a good intro. re-engineer your thinking slowly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and the, the hardest part about learning guitar, period, as you're a beginner, flat starting, never having done it before, it's just the muscle memory. You have to build up the calluses on your fingertips. Yeah, so that was that, the hardest part for me when I took the guitar yeah. lessons. <laughs> because they, they cut into your fingers and then you're not getting them pushed down right. And it mm. just takes a while. That just takes time. You have to Actually, fight through that. my guitar part. got stolen. <laughs> when I lived in Athens, yeah, it got stolen. It was actually my dad's guitar and I just had it with me. Oh, what was it? Uh, it I'm was afraid a, to ask. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't even know. what. I, I think it was a Fender. I cannot remember um, exactly what model. But, um, electric guitar or no it was a oh yeah acoustic they even make acoustic yeah fender makes acoustic. Yeah, yeah. i was gonna say their fender's more famous for their uh the stratocaster and the telecaster yeah that's what i was gonna guitars. say yeah um i don't know anything about guitars so they have okay i'm the wrong person to ask right, yeah <laughs> no I, I obviously know quite a bit i'm yeah, a taylor exactly. guy acoustic tailors and so I, I worry you say you know Basically, if you had a Fender stolen, you might have lost three or five hundred bucks because that's about the cost of most Fender acoustics, mm-hmm. which still friggin' blows. But Taylor's and Martin's run fifteen hundred to four thousand yeah. dollars. Well, this was a while easily. ago, so I'm. It's just escaping me what brand it right. was. But I mean, and obviously, when you're when you're a uh, a frequent guitar player, you know your guitar like the back of your hand. But mm-hmm. it was kind of just an off and on thing for me, so it kind of oh, sat yeah, in my yeah, room. Yeah. But um, no, Fender makes some good. They make a Fender makes a Hellcat, which is a kind of a cool. I, I've heard of that. Yeah, it's a, a dark wood. I like dark wood guitars. Yeah, um, they look which, good. Which is like actually the guitar I brought is a dark wood guitar. Um, and whether we talk about it here, or what not, kind I of a, what kind of wood do they usually make? Like nicer guitar? Do they make them out of maple or red oak or anything like that? Or I've never heard of red oak. Maple's very common. Um, yeah. So when you're looking at like a Stratocaster or a um, Telecaster, um, Strats and Tellies have a maple neck. It's the light wood neck. Mm. Um, and that tends to create a resonance in the guitar that is snappier and brighter. That's mm. the whole point of having a maple neck. You can do this on acoustic too, but it's a, it's a, it's a harder cut, a Les Paul or like, um, uh, a 335. Um, those types of guitars have, they have a dark wood neck. That's a rosewood. Mm. The neck is made out of that. And that is for a, like a kind of a softer, darker tone. Um, acoustics tend to be made out of their, um, the tone wood is what's going to be on the back and sides of the guitar. And that controls most of the vibrational frequencies. So it's going to control the tone of guitar. Mm -hmm. Most guitars tend to be mahogany or rosewood on that. That's a dark wood, um, a hard wood. And that tends to 
create um, these kind of like low end tones that come out that are that are nice. Most guitars are they have like the yellow face. That's mm-hmm. a that's a soft wood. Typically, that is spruce. Um, that is a spruce top, and that creates a bright popping sound. It's almost like I have a speaker on the front of your guitar that really pushes the sound out. It's mm-hmm. really transparent is the word that guitar techs will use. Like mm-hmm. you talk to like the real professionals on that. So that's what most guitars are to make an acoustics louder is a good dark tone wood with a bright soft wood on the top. Spruce is usually what they'll use. The wow. guitar I have, um, it is a Taylor 224K Special. It is Koa. Koa is a really unique wood that only grows above a certain elevation in Hawaii. <laughs> and it's an endangered wood. They're not allowed to cut down Koa trees. They can only collect this wood after it's already died and fallen. So Taylor company reps freak out and have parties when there's a hurricane in Hawaii. <laughs> and, and, and they do, and it's oh it my god, sounds awful, but oh these god. trees fall over, and they are one of the very few people that have rights to collect this wood. Mm-hmm. And koa is a really unique wood for tone. And having on the front of your guitar, having a hardwood on the front of your guitar. So are they beautiful. are those guitars limited release or are they do they, they sell are, them year round? They they sell them year round, but like they cost you. They yeah. are hard to get. But um, what's the sound quality like? The sound quality is is rosewood is one of them really coveted um woods, the Brazilian rosewood. Mm. Um Koa creates this really unique sound from a Taylor guitar, uh, of having the nice soft undertones of the rosewood while giving just a little bit of pop like you mm. would get out of um like you would get out of spruce. Mm. It's it's just got this unique combination you really can't find with any other wood. That's why they make whole guitars out of it. It feel like Taylor has like the K24 or the K26. They do have limited releases because they just run out of the wood. That's mm. really all there is to it. Um and like those those K twenty six guitars will cost you five or six thousand dollars. <laughs> that is funny that uh, <laughs> whenever I've never I've never heard that. That's an interesting uh, little. That's an interesting interesting little thing that they have parties when trees fall down. <laughs> well, they love it because they know they can go out there and collect <laughs> yeah. that wood. You cannot you can't cut these trees down. So all they can do is just kind of hope that they become available. That's and yeah. it is a beautiful wood. It's a beautiful wood and it sounds good. I was happy to spend the money on mine. I saved up for a year and a half worth of shows to be able to afford mine. Um, and that's, that's that was a cheap, affordable version. They, they had a real bad storm one year, actually, where Taylor was able to get enough wood to make. Um, they had a whole line of laminate mm-hmm. Koa guitars as opposed to like full, full wood guitars. So that one only cost me. Uh, it was just under two grand as opposed to the real Koa guitars. Mm-hmm. You're looking at six grand, seven grand. I was gonna say, I was gonna say maybe eight, nine, but yeah, that's, they go. It's easy to find fucking Taylor guitars up around probably, grand. Yeah, people will probably upcharge them uh, if they're if it's um, a time when they're um, they're kind of almost out of stock or at the end of their limited release. Oh yeah, I would say that those Koa guitars are one of the few guitars. There's some there are some special guitars you pay. It's like driving a car for a lot. Yeah, you could pay a hundred thousand dollars for a car. You drive it off a lot. You just lost half the value. Yeah, it appreciates immediately. <laughs> yeah, and most guitars actually are the same if it's a normal production thing. But I feel like Taylor Koa guitars are one of the few that, if you paid six grand for that new, 
you probably would be able to sell it for five without too many problems. You just got to get a... <laughs> Most people don't sell them, though. Like, yeah. people, you buy a co guitar, you knew what you were it's in your for, baby, yeah. and it's your baby for life. <laughs> That's getting handed down to your children, like, for exactly. life. It's a part of the family now. Yeah. Well, uh, we're around the hour mark. Uh, appreciate you being on, Anthony. Dude, no problem. This is fun. That was, yeah. that, was that easy. We should definitely, uh, we should definitely do it again. Um, yeah. I am always looking for guests, uh, looking for opportunities to fine tune it, and looking for new talking points. Like I've never, I've never talked to someone who knows that much about guitars. That's awesome. <laughs>